I am not here to challenge you tonight because I haven't earned it. But I do know someone who has. Let me talk to you. You pissing your pants yet? You're Roman, right? You're the head of the table, right? Yeah. You're the tribal chief, right? Yeah. You're a defending champion, right? No, no. I'll tell you what you are. Right now, you're a man standing in my way. Oh, oh my God, I'm sorry, man. How rude of me. I didn't even introduce myself. Because, you know, while you've been sitting at home on the couch for the last month and a half, and you wear that gold title around your waist, things have changed just a little bit. So I'll tell you what, Tulsa, tell them whose game this is. Who am I to be in this ring with you? I'm the fastest rising star in SmackDown history. I'm the man who's walked right in here and pulled the hole. Jimmy Uso from behind. LA Knight tossing Jimmy Uso out of the ring. We certainly did, and this match happening between LA Knight and Roman Reigns makes the scoreline. Billy, 295, Meltzer, 0, or something along those lines, because this is becoming an absolute joke, and that's why I wasn't going to pass up the opportunity to do this show. I was sick at the weekend, which is why I didn't initially do the SmackDown review. And I'm feeling a little bit better now. At least I'm able to speak. So I decided to catch up with the new stuff. I owed people a Raw review, which we're going to do here. But I also wanted to talk about SmackDown. I did not want to let this go. How are people still blindly following this has-been, following this guy with the poorest accuracy record imaginable for a credible journalist. In any other venture, 
If somebody is wrong as often as Dave Meltzer, they are blacklisted into an oblivion and nobody, nobody quotes them again because their credibility is absolutely shot. This guy is accurate 5% of the time, maximum 10 which means over 90% of the time he is wrong about what he reports. So much so that I was able to once again confidently combat not only his story, but a story that was echoed by all of the dirt shits, even though they know that they continuously report what he says and he is wrong, they still go with that old adage, oh, he's going to be right this time. Oh, maybe he's right this time. Oh, why would they be reporting that? Oh, surely he can't be wrong again. Well, he is fucking wrong again. He's wrong all the fucking time. Reporting that it would be John Cena and Roman Reigns in Saudi, even from a logical standpoint, how the fuck are you getting to that match? The last time John Cena faced Roman Reigns, he lost. And he hardly has a sparkling win-loss record since then. And I understand win-loss records don't mean everything. But how the hell would you logically even be getting to Cena and Roman Reigns? Let's forget about the fact that I'm in the know. And I actually, unlike this fucking has-been fuck genuinely have sources within the WWE and report accurate news stories behind my paywall... Don't, let's forget about that fact and let's look at this logically. How the fuck were you ever, ever getting to John Cena and Roman Reigns? So that was absolutely ridiculous in the first place. Once again, he's been proven wrong, which is ridiculous in itself. And we are getting LA Knight and Roman Reigns, something that I reported on three months ago and remained consistent with it. This title match was decided after LA Knight got that positive response when he wasn't even in Saudi. And when they were looking at viable contenders to stretch out this Roman Reigns run for another year, LA Knight was automatically on the list and this was always going to happen. I speculated that it was going to happen and confirmed it three months ago, yet no mention of that, no mention of the Dirty Sheets, the most accurate news source in wrestling, well above Meltzer and well above Sean Ross Crap, who basically reports absolutely nothing. If you, if you ever get behind his paywall, all you will see is speculative bullshit that isn't even worth tweeting out to troll him. The, the, the trolling aspect would it would be the fact that he even considered this to be relevant information. Whose TNA contract's coming up? Who gives a fucking shit? Not one relevant news story has been broken by this hillbilly fucking loser, wife-cheating hick any point, at any point in the last 12 months. As for Dave Meltzer, he's been finished for a decade, yet these pointless, worthless, dog shit, dirt shits continue to quote Dave Meltzer on a weekly and monthly basis. Like, he's got to be right this time. He's got to be right this time. He's got to be right this time. Well, he fucking isn't. He never is. And this was the only place that had the story and had it three months ago and clearly said LA Knight versus Roman Reigns. So if you want your fucking news and you want it to be correct and you want it to be easily digestible via audio form, simply right-click that button on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the additional content and you will get that latest breaking news because it's LA Knight and Roman Reigns. It's exactly what I said. It's always exactly what I say it's going to be. So fuck sap. 
fuck Meltzer and fuck all of the websites who don't have the balls to quote the only source that's getting everything right because they're too woke to even do their jobs properly, which is to report the most accurate news, the news that's most likely to be correct. That's the point of the dirt sheets. That's what's supposed to be in the dirt sheets. You're supposed to have a high percentile of correct and accurate information. Not bullshit because some old man has been doing this since the 80s and it's just an automatic to quote him. Not some fucking bullshit site like Fightful just because the Marks have decided to stand by this AEW apologist and they are all brainwashed into believing that he is the new number one source for wrestling. If he's the new number one source for wrestling, what is he actually broken? What stories did Sean Ross Sapp break in the last two or three years? He hasn't done a fucking thing. All he does is steals from other people. He got caught stealing from me. He got caught stealing from um, Steve Carrier and Ringside News this week, basically echoing all of their CM Punk coverage, which actually wasn't even correct. I have a newer story out about CM Punk behind my paywall. So all the guy is is this woke warrior who is an AEW apologist and someone who jumps on every bandwagon possible shamelessly whilst pretending that he is this voice for the IWC. He's a fucking piece of shit. And we already got rid of one piece of shit recently. Ryan Satin is done. And it's only a matter of time before we expose Sean Ross Sapp. But as I always say, and as Brad Shepard says as well when he comes on the show, this isn't our full-time gig. If we decided to fully commit to this, then there would be a lot more coverage of the dirty sheets and, and whatnot. But the bottom line is, is that for me to fully commit to wrestling any more than I'm already doing, because it's the biggest commitment I've made in terms of um, doing more content for my paywall, it would mean taking a significant pay cut. It would mean losing time that I can spend on sports betting content, which for every follower that you get from sports betting is worth 20 followers in the wrestling industry. That doesn't make any common sense. That means that you are just simply making an illogical decision based on solely spite. And whilst we probably do do this out of spite anyway, because we've spoken a number of times about stopping completely as we've made our fucking point that all of these guys are fraudulent and they don't really have any kind of inside information. And also, as far as content goes, their content sucks, their opinion sucks, and it's a good fucking alternative to popping a fucking sleeping pill, putting on an episode of of Fightful or post-wrestling or whatever coma-inducing Mark podcast you want to fucking listen to. I throw Smart Wrestling Fan on that list as well. But once again, the point has been proven. The point has been made. It's Roman Reigns and LA Knight. Go fuck yourself. You're yelling at the wrong people. As I just said, this is the GM of Monday Night Raw. You need to be talking to the general manager of SmackDown, so let me bring him out here, Mr. Nick Aldis. Oh, wow. Wow is right. Nick's had an exceptional career in the sports entertainment industry. 
You've been in the ring with a who's who. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank WWE for the opportunity of a lifetime to be the general manager of the number one sports entertainment brand in the world today, SmackDown. And Adam, I look forward to some healthy competition between our two brands. And Dom, good to meet you. I'm a big fan of your dad. Like I said, uh, we'll, we'll get to that at another moment, but if you don't mind, right now, the business at hand is SmackDown's newest superstar. I don't care who it is, I will, I will slap him and I will make him respect me. So we'll finish up with SmackDown now and uh, we'll talk about the major developments on the show. As we mentioned, LA Knight taking on Roman Reigns, as I always said it would be. He got the win at the end of the show against Solo Sokoa. Obviously, um, this is going to be the peak of what LA Knight does, at least for now. They've decided to pull the trigger early, as I said that they would and have decided that he is a viable contender for the title right now. He's not going to win it. He's going to fall short. And perhaps after that, it could lead to a chase for the US title, which is likely to be held by Logan Paul after the Saudi show. So this is the peak for, for LA Knight. And there was some criticism about um, John Cena kind of stealing the spotlight from LA Knight just by being out there. I, I disagree with that. I think Cena's actually been over the top and has almost damaged himself by being this cheerleader for LA Knight all of the time. And you don't really want Cena overdoing that because if Cena is going to have the match with Solo Sokoa, which I'm told that he will be having at this Saudi show unless things change, then you want Solo to get the biggest win possible. And Solo needs a win because we're a far cry from the Solo Sokoa who is undefeated and lost his first match to Cody Rhodes. He's taken multiple losses now when you're looking at this loss to LA Knight, when you're looking at a previous loss to Jay Uso. So we kind of do need a rebuild of Solo, but the win over Cena really needs to mean something. And if Cena continues to play cheerleader, I'm not sure it will mean much. I think Cena's done everything he can to put over LA Knight. I I certainly don't agree that Cena being out there um, took away from LA Knight. If anything, Cena's overdone it and LA Knight is more than ready, more than ready, uh, more than ready just by himself, even without Cena for this title shot because he is the most popular guy on the show. And right now is the time where most people are going to accept it because unlike many, I'm not sure if this yeah stuff does have the legs. His matches aren't particularly great. I can't name you one really good LA Knight match. And it really is just the, the promo stuff. But the yeah, yeah, yeah stuff is probably going to wear thin. If it's still a big deal in six months' time when we head towards WrestleMania, then I would say it's probably the right call to have LA Knight beat Logan Paul on a big stage for the US title if Logan Paul is the champion. If not, 
then that will probably be the end of the LA Knight push and he'll go back down to the mid card. This is probably why WWE are hesitating to renegotiate a contract, which they would normally do with someone who has the merch sales of LA Knight and has a lot of merch going into production. So that's another story that Sean Ross Sapp completely flubbed because he was turning around and saying that LA Knight was among the top merchandise sellers in the company. Well, if the dude's got four t-shirts and Roman Reigns is selling 60 items, you fucking hillbilly fuck, he's not going to be able to catch him, is he? Because if Roman Reigns is even selling a fraction of the t-shirts, but he has 10 available, 10 choices, then Roman Reigns is going to continue to consistently outsell LA Knight, whose merchandise is only in production. The guy doesn't even have a Mattel action figure available right now because Mattel action figures are always 12 months behind in production. So another bullshit story from the fucking clown, the saviour of the IWC cunts. But um, yeah, more bullshit, more bollocks, not true. LA Knight is on the way up and there are plans for him. But uh, they decided to pull the trigger in, in with what I think is going to be the peak of the push. As for the other major development on the show, my my friend Nick Aldis now on the show, very, very much deserved. I was worried when they said that he was simply going to be a, a backstage presence and he was going to be working as a road agent. I think Nick's too young for that. I think Nick's too good for that. And even in that situation there where I thought it was quite a poor introduction, not giving him an entrance or or music or anything like that, just having him pop out. He managed to turn that around for himself in seconds with the delivery of that line towards uh, to Dominic Mysterio about his dad. So that was very, very well done by Nick, who is a good talker, and I think he will thrive in this role. Not the best introduction, not even the best crowd response to it, but very quickly got them on side, and I think he's going to thrive in the role. As for Kevin Owens... Kevin Owens is an easy guy that you can chop and change around. Obviously, he's coming in as a replacement for Cody. Cody was initially supposed to be the guy who came onto the show and replaced Jay Uso and would move in the direction towards the bloodline. Now, we did see a tease of that on this episode with Cody and Roman Reigns going nose to nose, but... I'm not sure if that's necessarily leading to WrestleMania because why isn't Cody on SmackDown already? Why did the Jey Uso plan change? Are we going back to the plan of four or five months ago where Cody was simply going to win the Royal Rumble and turn around and choose Roman Reigns as the champion that he wanted to go for? Maybe we have. And maybe that entire thing with Jay going over to Raw was just a situation that got too complicated with trying to find somebody to send back over to SmackDown. But I know for sure that was originally supposed to be Cody Rhodes. But the fact that it isn't does coincide exactly with the time that talks between um, TKO and The Rock started to happen again. And with that whole Vince McMahon issue on the back burner, with Vince obviously now having back surgery, and it doesn't look like there's going to be any rapey Vince stories that stop Rock doing WrestleMania this time, it seems more likely than ever that The Rock will be on the show. And it could just be a coincidence that they have gone back to the original plan of Cody winning the Rumble and choosing Roman and not needing him on SmackDown right now. Or it could actually mean something that we are not getting Cody and Roman at WrestleMania and they are doing something with The Rock. I don't think it's unfeasible that you do the Cody-Roman match potentially at the Royal Rumble 
and then do the rock match after and then do Cody and Roman part three where Cody wins it on the third try. It is kind of um, testing people's patience a lot and it has been difficult to book both Cody and Roman over the last 12 months off the back of that result at WrestleMania. But we are where we are and I think the most difficult part has been navigated and WWE now simply need to make a choice. I think it's perfectly acceptable to many if you do go with Cody, but ultimately I think many will realise that that is their second choice and if Ari Emanuel and Nick Khan can deliver The Rock to WrestleMania, then this story that's out there about Triple H having full creative control will be a nonsensical one because Triple H will never, ever have full creative control. Just like nobody ever had full creative control when Vince was the owner of the WWE. The owner always wants to make the best business decision. And whilst Triple H can control 95% of the show right now, largely down to the fact that Vince McMahon has had a major back surgery, Triple H will never make the final decision on a WrestleMania main event, a Raw Rumble winner, or when Roman Reigns loses the belt. That is going to be Vince McMahon's vision, and it's going to be signed off by uh, Ari Emanuel, who is the new top guy in this company. And if Ari Emanuel and Nick Khan turn around and say, we've got the rock, you can rest assured the story ain't getting finished for Cody Rhodes. And he can sit there and wait a little bit longer because the rock is the number one choice for WrestleMania. So the season premiere of Raw was a little bit disappointing for me. If this is the best show that you can do, and that's what they usually try to make it when it's the season premiere, it gets a lot of hype. Um, a lot of people ask me what that actually means. Um, it just basically means it's the start of the new season. As we head towards Christmas, this is where um, programmers set up for their most lucrative season. So Everybody, when it comes to US television, they're always thinking about the fall. They're always thinking about what shows can we put on in September. So they really want to push towards September because that's the time where most people are at home. So the season premiere for the most important season would always be around about October time and would peak near Christmas. So when you look at shows like Friends and Seinfeld, for example, um, they would start around about this time. Everybody would be, well, more people would be staying at home because of the weather. And uh, then you would always get that Christmas special around episode 10, 11 in the season. And then it would carry on into the new year and finish around about March, April time. So that that's my understanding of it. That's how it was explained to me at one point what the season premiere means. Obviously, with, with WWE, they don't have uh, 26 episodes like a sitcom. So their season is all year long. But 
instead of starting on January the 1st, which would be a more logical season premiere, the new WWE year um, starts in October. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like a, almost like a soccer season where the soccer season starts in August and finishes in May. This is continuous. It's from October to the following October, but the year is 2023, 2024. So October, it begins the, the start of the 23, 24 season. So that, that's my understanding of it anyway. If I'm wrong about that and somebody who's American knows a lot more about it and can explain it better than the way it was explained to me and that I'm kind of repeating here, maybe maybe butchering even, uh, please let me know. So um, the main development on this episode of Raw was the changing of the tag team titles. Again, something that me and Cav said would happen or I, I predicted that they were going to win and that they would flip it back. Um, Cav said if they did win it, that they would flip it back. And we were both right about that. And the belts are back on the judgment day. It was always going to be a short thing with Cody and Jay. And I think we're now getting set up for the Survivor Series. It seems very clear that the War Games match will be a combination of the Bloodline and the Judgment Day, with it likely to be Finn Balor, Damian Priest, Jimmy Uso, and Solo Sokoa, and either one of Dominic or Roman Reigns, depending who does the show. I would probably lean towards Dominic because my understanding is is that Roman isn't doing Survivor Series. And as things stand, which is really shocking, Roman Reigns is not scheduled to be at the Royal Rumble. Now, I imagine that that would change and there will be something um, organised for Roman Reigns to be at the Royal Rumble and to face somebody. But he does not appear in the initial advertising for the show. So WWE believe, in my opinion, that they don't need Roman at the show and they would probably need him more for the Elimination Chamber show in Australia. Um, I don't think he's going to do both. So that would be very, very interesting and very shocking to some people if Roman doesn't do the Raw Rumble. And with that said, it makes it less likely that he'll do Survivor Series. So you are going to get three from Judgment Day and two from the Bloodline with, with Jimmy also only being loosely affiliated with the Bloodline. I'm surprised he's still there. I would have thought that he would have been gone after taking that loss to John Cena. But it does ultimately look like we're getting an Uso-Uso match at WrestleMania, which frankly... I have zero interest in. Uh, I'm not somebody that has an interest in Cody and Roman, and I'm not somebody that has an interest in Uso versus Uso. So that's two of the big matches that we're looking at at WrestleMania, potentially, that I'm not overly interested in. So I am one of these people that would like to see The Rock there. I'm one of these people that would like to see the situation resolve with CM Punk. I'm one of these people who is absolutely fine with Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestling another street fight. It's WrestleMania. I understand that you have this youth initiative and you're building towards the future, but WrestleMania is always different. And yes, you've done a lot of successful pay-per-views with the current roster guys and whatnot, but you still ultimately will need the likes of uh, Brock Lesnar, Logan Paul, uh, Roman Reigns, who's also a part-timer at this point. And you'll need more than that. You'll need more than that in order to make WrestleMania a show that's comparable to last year. Because we knew that last year's WrestleMania was sold out quickly on the basis that many people thought The Rock was going to be there. And once again, the general consensus is that many people think that The Rock is going to be there. I'm not so sure, um, but the opportunity is there. It's now or never. When you're looking at The Rock's failure with Black Adam, 
when you're looking at The Rock's failure with the XFL, when you're looking at The Rock's relationship previously with uh, Ari Emanuel of the UFC, his relationship with Nick Khan, and when you're looking at the strikes going on across Hollywood and The, the Rock not really being massively engaged with a project right now and with him showing up on WWE TV and loving the response because he really did need something positive in his career at the moment, which is crazy to say about The Rock. Um, this is a now or never situation. But for me... I'm not enthralled with Cody Roman and I'm not enthralled with the Uso-Uso match, but that's, that does look like what we're getting. Whilst at Survivor Series, this does look like the setup for War Games as we look to get Jimmy and Solo and Dominic, Damian Priest and Finn Balor, most likely going up against Cody Rhodes, Jay Uso, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens and most likely LA Knight, unless they can get John Cena to stick around for one more pay-per-view, in which case I think it may be Sami Zayn who gets bumped out of this match um, because I think he's the one who is probably the least important out of the others. You can't get rid of Cody. You can't get rid of Jay. So you simply then have to debate as to whether you want Kevin Owens in the team or whether you want Sami Zayn in the team. Favor. Oh, it's Raquel Rodriguez out of nowhere. Raining down blows on Nia Jax. Badass women everywhere you look, and I love it. Match is still one oh, second. It's Zoe Stark out of nowhere. Well, she was flattened, squashed, you may say, by Nia Jax several weeks ago. And she certainly lays a claim to being a bit of a badass herself. They all do. Raquel Rodriguez certainly is. Technically, this match is still active. We've got a huge brawl on the outside. Raquel flattening anything that moves right now. Raquel like a bull now. Oh! Out of harm's way is Nia Jax. Scouted. By the irresistible force. Meanwhile, back inside. Yeah, there's always Starks not part of this match. Oh, Stark straight into Basel. What an absolute meltdown we're getting here on Raw. Gunter. No chance. He tried earlier. Oh, my God. Gunter with the powerbomb. So your other major developments on this show was to set up the five-way match for the women, which is likely to happen at Crown Jewel. Not a great advertisement for American women, is it? Because if you're the Saudi fans and you're seeing Taylor Swift and Megan Cox on television and picture them as American women, suddenly you're going to be getting Zoe Stark and Shayna Baszler and big fat Nia Jax and Rhea Ripley and um, and Raquel Rodriguez. So you have giants and fatties and lesbian-looking women and goths. It's not the greatest advertisement for American women, but this is what they're going to be doing at Crown Jewel. I do think it's a lot better for these 
particular types of show when you're so when you're so starved of these type of things it, it is a lot better when you do have the likes of Trish and Becky out there I do think the fans gravitate towards it a little bit more I'm sure Rhea Ripley's going to get a good crowd response I'm sure that she's going to be the overwhelming crowd favorite in this match which is going to be a routine title defense and that makes the signing of Nia Jax quite con- confusing because she came in squashed everybody and then she goes straight into a fatal five-way no singles program for her and then ultimately when Rhea defends the belt here what happens does that mean that all of these women have had their title shots and we move on to Becky or are one of these women going to break away from the pack and become the next number one contender and we kill time until we do Rhea and Becky potentially at Wrestlemania and also where does Jade Cargill fit into this because I believe it was insinuated on the show by Adam Pearce that she was on Raw because she needed a red scarf Is she just popping up on different shows or is that it? Was that the moment where it was determined that Jade was on Raw? Now, I have been told, and I reported it previously, that Jade Cargill was going to be on Raw, but this does seem like an underwhelming introduction or an underwhelming way to confirm that fact, if that is the case. As for the the other bit of audio we played there, Gunther making a title defence for the Intercontinental title. A lot of people asking, when will this end? Who's going to end it? And what's next for Gunther? It's difficult for me to really identify anybody on the roster. I know Chad Gable continues to talk about it, but I think that would be massively underwhelming. It would be great for Chad Gable to continually chase this belt and talk about it and then win the Intercontinental title. And that does make it more prestigious if somebody is desperate to win it and holds it in the same bracket as the world title and makes the Intercontinental title their main goal. But at the end of the day, as good as Chad Gable is and as entertaining as some people find him, that is a little guy. That is a little five foot eight guy who cannot end this title reign of Gunther if you want Gunther to really go on and take um, do do big do bigger and better things. So he's not the guy for me. Uh, although that is what's being hinted at on the television. I think ultimately right now they don't even have anybody in mind. I think it will just be a case of whoever gets hot at the time will be someone that they pull the trigger with. But I don't think it's really in their immediate plans to have Gunther drop this title. It would not surprise me to see. Gunther getting past the 18-month mark quite comfortably with this belt. But with that said, I also would not disregard the possibility that Gunther just doesn't lose it at all. And the thing that ultimately leads to him dropping in a continental title is the acceleration of his push, which would come via winning the Royal Rumble, challenging Seth Rollins for his title and standing down as the Intercontinental Champion. Now, I don't think that's going to be what they do because they would miss the opportunity to significantly put someone over and give them a big win and a huge moment. But it just depends how important it is to push Gunther. Do you want to put him forward for the world title as an absolute monster? And are you guys sold, personally, that Gunther should be elevated to that level? Do you see him as a world champion? Do you see him as a world champion more so than you see Drew McIntyre doing his current character? Because I would argue what McIntyre is doing is far more interesting and intriguing and there is a far bigger upside to putting the belt on Drew McIntyre, not right now at Crown Jewel, but building up towards it once McIntyre is this full-fledged heel 
maybe that would be the right man and the right decision for the WWE to to go with Drew McIntyre instead because I do think there's more upside to Drew I do think there's more upside with Gunther than there is with Damian Priest though Cav is a fan and sees Priest as a top level talent I don't I, I think that Priest is just your generic cookie-cutter wrestler. He can go in the ring, that's great. He's got a great speaking voice, but is that really enough to be a world champion on this show? What I will say is anything is better than Seth Rollins, and this is my weekly Rollins rant. Again, he comes out there dressed like a woman. Um, the promo skills just don't sit with me at all. This was actually a good exchange, but that was largely down to the facts that they were scripted to say the right things. They were scripted to say, um, give to give each other cutting comments and Rollins' responses to what Drew was saying were very, very good. And what Drew was saying was exactly what Drew needs to be saying. Miss moment after miss moment by the time everybody was back the moment had passed but i captured lightning in a bottle a second time in the uk one-on-one with roman reigns over fifty thousand people where it all began and who screwed me over the bloodlines i'm sorry if i'm not getting it over so quick i'm not over it so quick but we've got third time the third time lightning is in a bottle you and you need to think long and hard how you're going to reinvent yourself for the 53rd time when I beat you and take that title from you, Crown Jewel. Drew, nobody understands what you're going through better than I do. I know how difficult it can be to get yourself back to the top of the mountain. I spent four years digging and fighting and clawing to get back to the top of that mountain. But all I'm hearing from you right now is a bunch of excuses. You're pointing fingers, you're making excuses, and I promise you that's not going to get you where you want to go. I am going to beat you at Crown Jewel, and I promise you it will be the best thing that ever happened to you. Because for the first time in a long time, you will have no one to blame but yourself. Yeah, very good stuff. Very interesting stuff. Um, I don't know what's going on, and that's a good thing. Um, I don't want to always be able to work stuff out. Um, I'm also not sending the texts or, or making calls to even find out about this. It's very rare that I get to actually sit back and enjoy something because a lot of modern day wrestling is just match, 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 match for no reason. And this seems to be a well-constructed story. And I do like the slow burn heel turn of Drew McIntyre. I do like the logical turn as well. I explained what I meant by that on last week's episode. So I'm all in with this. And even with the stuff with Rhea Ripley and Drew McIntyre talking backstage, I have no idea what that's about, but I am intrigued and interested in it. If I was to venture a guess, which I know people want me to want me to make, uh, I would say that after Drew loses to Seth, the deal is essentially to beat the shit out of him after the bell 
to leave him vulnerable for Damian Priest. So the, the deal is essentially to make sure that Seth Rollins doesn't leave with the title. So the end result at Crown Jewel is either Drew McIntyre winning or the Judgment Day leaving with the belt and Drew getting first crack at the new champion, Damian Priest. That could be something that they've negotiated. But as I said, that is just guesswork. I know nothing and I choose to know nothing. That's it for me in this edition of The Dirty Sheets. Thanks for listening.